Listen, why don't you stand with me? Let's get right into the Word of God. And your pastor already shared, as I sent my notes, and I had been praying, Lord, what do you want to say to your people? And I, I, I felt in my heart to share a message about the river of God. He immediately said to me, that's where God's been taking us. We've been speaking about the river of God. We've been speaking about revival. And that's where we want to go this morning. The message title this morning is Go Deep. Somebody say, Go Deep. deep. Say it again, Go Deep. deep. That's our heart cry. I'm going to start in a passage in John chapter 7. I'm going to read a few verses as we get going here. John chapter 7, and I want to begin in verse 37. John 7 and verse 37. A couple of powerful, powerful verses that every person who loves the moving of the Spirit needs to know. John 7 and verse 37, on the last and greatest day of the feast, this is the Feast of Tabernacles in Judaism, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Whoever's thirsty. Now I want you to go back with me to the book of Ezekiel for a moment. Ezekiel chapter 47. And we're going to be camping out mostly in Ezekiel 47. It's an interesting passage. It's a prophetic passage. It speaks about things that are even still yet to come. And yet, they can happen right now in our heart. The application of this, the moving of the Spirit of God, can happen right now. Ezekiel chapter 47, and I just want to read verses 1 through 12. If you have your Bibles, follow, or your electronic devices, let's follow. The man, this is an angel, brought me back to the entrance of the temple. And I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. And he then brought me out through the north gate and led me out around the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was flowing from the south side. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits, one third of a mile. And then he led me through water that was ankle deep. And he measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. And he measured off another thousand and led me through water that was waist deep. And he measured off another thousand. But now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in a river that no one could cross. Now, Father, this morning, as we come to this river of your presence, Father, you want to take us deeper. Father, so many times we just want to stay in the shallows. We just want to play it safe. But I pray in Jesus' name, Father, that every heart that is here this morning would understand that that's just not going to cut it, God. A little bit of religion isn't going to cut it, Lord God. Father, what you are calling us to, and Jesus, you cried out to a desperate generation, a thirsty generation. You said, if anybody is thirsty, plunge in. Go deep. And Father, I pray this morning that by the Spirit of the living God, every one of us, would make that decision, we'd come to that place where we say, God, I just don't want to be ankle deep in this anymore. Knee deep in this, God. I want to plunge in. I want everything you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let me paint the picture for you again. John speaks of the day is the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, this would be in the month of September normally in our calendar. 
And the Feast of Tabernacles was a time of celebration and commemoration, the remembering the water that, that God would send out in the wilderness. And for seven days during this, this great festival, Jesus would have been looking out over crowds, literally tens of thousands of people in crowds, maybe hundreds of thousands. For seven days, Israel's religious leaders were, meet, were leading. The entire nation then was about two million people. And they led the entire nation in this week-long celebration the Feast of Tabernacles. Every morning, this is how it would go. The high priest would lead other priests, and they would have this parade, this procession, and they would start up at the temple, and they would go southward. And I was there just last year in Jerusalem, so I can picture this. Down in the city of David, they're walking down the hill, and they're in celebration, and people are playing flutes, and and, and timbrels, and, and drums, and the people are dancing, and waving palms, and they're having this parade, and they go down to the Pool of Siloam. They've just re-excavated it. There's literally a pool there, that ancient pool, 2,000 years old. And they would take this golden vessel, the high priest would take it, and he would dip it in the water of the pool of Siloam. He would turn around, and they would walk back in celebration, and people are dancing, and there's music, and there's choirs, and they're walking back the half mile back up through the southern gate towards the temple, up the steps, and then they would come to the great altar, it was called. That's where they would have the burnt sacrifice. And they would take that golden vessel and they would pour it out. It would run around the base of the sacrifice. But there was a song that the priests would sing while they were pouring out the water. And it was from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3. And this is the verse. It says, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. They spoke more than they could even begin to understand. God was telling them through the prophet Isaiah and already through Ezekiel that there is a river that's flowing and it's not just an outward river. This is an inward river. There is a work of salvation to change your life, to refresh your soul. And with joy, we're going to draw it from that. How many understand that there's joy in the house of God this morning as we worship the Lord? This is not something that we, you know, that, that, that's sad and, and, and depressed. God is saying, I want, you to, I want you to get excited about knowing me. For seven days of ceremony and celebration, the Jewish nation would remember. It was a time of thinking back about how God had provided water in the desert when the, the Jewish people were wandering in the desert for 40 years. It was also a time of thanking God and praying, Lord, send the rain now. Because they needed rain in the fall time to soften the soil so that they could plant the seeds. And then they needed a greater rain in the springtime right before the harvest so they could have a maximum harvest. Now all of this is going on. They're celebrating the physical rain when Jesus, and John says, on the last day, that's important. How many know that every single word of the Bible is important? You got to get, 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 get every word because God says it's not the seven days anymore. Now it's the eighth day. It was a day that the Jewish people would add, and it was the biggest celebration of the year. It was party time in Jerusalem is what we're saying. And everybody is dancing in the street. They're having a great time. And Jesus, no doubt, near the temple, maybe right on the steps, he looks over the crowd of all the revelers and everybody partying and so on. And it says he shouted in a loud voice to them, if anybody is thirsty, let him come to me. And out of his innermost being will flood rivers of living water. They're celebrating the outward rivers. They're celebrating the rain that would come physically. But God says, if you really want to know what your God has for you, then you open your hearts. 
And God's going to fill your hearts and you can go deep. It says, as the scripture has said. Now, where does the Bible speak about a river like that? David said these words, just clue in. Listen for this. Psalm 46, 4 through 5. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Thank you. Joel said these words. A fountain will flow from the Lord's house. Zechariah the prophet put it this way. Living water will flow out from Jerusalem. But my personal favorite passage about the river of God is what we read in the book of Ezekiel. So let's go back there for a moment. In Ezekiel 47. It is a vision that God gives to Ezekiel of a future day. And a lot of people see this as a fulfillment of what's yet to come in the millennial reign of Christ. That's going to be an incredible day. But what Jesus did that day was to bridge the gap between their past memories, what God did when the Israelites were in the, in the wilderness, and what would be someday in the millennial reign. And he says, there is a right now provision from God. If you're thirsty today, it's not just about history, and it's not just about dreams. There is a provision today, and you can go deep today. God has everything that you need this hour. Do you understand that? Do you believe that this morning? Can you say amen? Amen. He's still crying out. I believe that Jesus is speaking and crying out to this last day's generation. He's saying this morning even to us sitting here, to our family and friends and people that you know, are you thirsty? Are you dry? Are you tired and worn out? God says there is a river that is flowing and that river is alive. That river is the presence of God and it is deep and it is pure. It is pure enough to heal you and restore you and refresh you. And greatest of all, it is flowing for you. It is flowing for every one of us. Now there's a statement I want to make. If we could have this slide, please. I want you to follow with me. Ezekiel's vision reveals this. Three truths. Somebody say three truths about the river of God's presence, which is flowing for all who choose to go deep. Follow with me. If you're taking notes, three truths, and here's the first truth. And we're going to go back again to Isaiah, to Ezekiel 47. Begin following with me in verse 1 again. It says, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. I want you to see this truth first of all. The river of God's presence, the first truth is this, is deep. And as we come to this, these verses, it says that this angel takes him to the temple, this prophetic temple, and he sees water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. And the water was coming down from under the side of the temple. Now, what, it, what we see here is the river's source. Follow with me in these first couple of verses. Out from underneath the temple, the throne room of God, the, there's a, out, out of the threshold, it's flowing out of the temple toward the east, out from the Holy of Holies, past the altar. In other words, it's remembering the blood of Jesus out through the eastern gate. And the way that Ezekiel describes it, the water's flowing down into the valley, Zechariah tells us in the day when Jesus comes back and his feet touch the Mount of Olives, there's going to be a massive earthquake. And instead of the valley running this way, it's going to run this way. And the water is going to flow out of the temple right down. This is significant. Watch this. It's going to flow towards the east. There's going to be an opening in that mountain, the Mount of Olives. God is, how many know when God comes, he shakes the place and he changes things and he's making a way and the water begins to flow. It's flowing from the throne room of God. 
And then we begin to see the the rivers flow. Follow it with me in verse 3. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. That's one third of a mile. Now follow what it says. And then he led me through water that was ankle deep. The first third of a mile coming out of the temple. And Ezekiel is watching this and he can measure it. It's, it's, It's just up to the ankle. But he measures off another third of a mile. And this time it is, what? Knee deep. And another third of the mile eastward through the Mount of Olives. And he's watching the river and he's measuring it. And now it's waist deep. There is a flow of this river. And there's something very mysterious about all of this because the further the river is flowing, and you would think it would just sort of like get more shallow as it flows, but it's just the opposite. The further that the river is flowing down through, out of the temple, across the mountain, through this valley, the further it is flowing, the deeper it is getting. And all of that doesn't make sense unless you know the destination of the river. It is flowing towards the desert. Please understand this morning that this is the mystery of God, and this is the mercy of God. The river will flow deeper where the river is needed most. The further the river flows, the deeper the river runs, and it's rushing toward the desert because the more that the river is needed, the drier that you are, the more desperate that you are, the more of God there is, the deeper it will get. There's never a trial, never a situation, never anything that you'll come to when you're natural man and you say, I get that God, you just you're not enough for me. You will never find that because the worst the, this world can throw at you the worst the battle the spiritual warfare the, 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 the worst that you might find yourself in God says there is provision that is deeper for your need somebody might feel that they're in a desert this morning you need to know that the river runs deep there now Ezekiel is not only confronted with where that river has been and where that river is flowing but there's an invitation in this river. And read it with me in verse 5. It says, he measured off another thousand cubits, another third of a mile. And now it was a river that I could not cross. He says, it is deep enough to swim in, a river that nobody could cross. You can't just walk in that thing. You would drown. You've got to make a decision. It's a decision. It's a turning point in your life. If you don't swim in this, if you don't go deep in this, you're going to miss it. Ezekiel says, I came to a point of decision. To go deep would mean a total commitment. I'd have to give myself to that river and jump in. So do I turn back or do I go further? Do I trust the river and plunge in? One of the joys I have from my childhood, Pastor Tom, I had three children, I have three daughters, and one of the joys that I had was to teach them how to swim, every one of them. I, 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 you know, they're great swimmers today, and, and I remember the day, I remember when Tiffany was just five years of age, and remember right where we were, it was in, that was in Missouri, as a matter of fact, it was heading out there to, to, uh, to teach and so on, and, 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 and uh, I, remember, I remember Tiffany, and it was the same thing with Ashley and Melody. 
I remember putting my hand under her, under her, her belly and my other hand under her back and saying, come on now, kick and move your arms and so on. And I, slowly I moved this hand away. You're doing it. You're doing it. You know? And, and, and then finally I had removed my other hand and she had to make a decision to trust the water, each of the girls, that the water would hold you up. It's all right. You're going to do this. I just watch a video. Now my grandson, Tiffany's son, he's six years old. He came, he, they're, they're visiting with us week. He said, Grandpa, Opa, that's what he calls me, Opa, I can swim without my swimmies now. I don't need my water wings. I can do that. Why? Because they learn to trust the water. They learn that you can plunge and this is going to be okay. How much of Jesus do you really want this morning? How deep is your need this morning? Some believers choose to stay in the waiting pool, spiritually speaking, where they can play it safe. But God is telling us that an ankle-deep relationship, just some religious experience, once in a while, checking in at church, just punching in and and just doing my time, it's not going to cut it when you're going through a desert experience. It's not going to cut it when you face the realities of this life and this world and all the stuff that the world is coming against you. You have got to make a decision to commit yourself and, and plunge into that river. If you're going to be where Jesus is calling you to be, you're going to have to go deep. You're going to have to come to the place where you leave the shore of your own comfort zone and your own control and say, God, I trust you. I need you. And the deeper my need, the deeper your provision in the river of God. Can you say amen? This is the promise of God. This is the first truth. This river is running deep. There's nothing shallow about this thing. But here's a second truth that Ezekiel shows us. The river of God's presence is not only deep, it is alive. Read it with me in verse 6. Let's come to that verse now. It shows us that the river, first of all, brings life where there has been barrenness, dryness, emptiness. It says in verse 6, read it with me. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. And he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the sea. That's the Dead Sea. That's what it's called today, the Dead Sea. There's nothing that lives in that. And the Arabah is the desert place, the dry place. And he says, this water is flowing there. He says, this water is flowing towards the eastern region where it enters the sea. And when it enters into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Let me paint the picture again for you. If you were to go to Jerusalem today and stand at the top of the Mount of Olives and you look westward, it is glorious. It is beautiful. I love to go to Jerusalem. Been there on a few occasions. Um, They call it the Golden City because it's a lot of limestone, white buildings. And when the evening sun or the morning sun comes up from the east or the evening sun is setting, the whole city comes alive. It's like the sun is just beaming off these. And it's beautiful. But when you turn around today and you look eastward, it's like you're on a different planet. It is some of the driest, most barren place on the entire planet. It's where Jesus was for 40 days fasting in the wilderness. Just dry, rocks, barren. That's it. And God says and takes Ezekiel to this place where he's looking eastward. And Ezekiel sees that something is changing. Where the river is flowing, it is transforming 
everything. It is changing everything. That wilderness is changing. It says in verse 7, it's coming alive. It is becoming a beautiful green forest. Listen to what Isaiah says about this as well, where the river flows. Isaiah saw the same thing. He says, until the Spirit is poured upon us from on high, and the desert becomes a a fertile field, and the fertile field seems like a forest. God is going to come to the dry places. He's going to come to the barren places. He's going to come to the empty places, maybe places that you've given up on and said it can never happen. God can never change maybe your spouse or your child or the situation that you've been facing for years. And God says, I will come to that barren place and I can transform that barren place. Again, Isaiah says, Isaiah 43, 19, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wilderness. Chapter 44 and verse 3. Again, listen. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. And I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. God says it may be barren right now. It may be dry right now. It may seem like everything is lost right now. But where the river of my presence is flowing, I'm going to transform it. I'm going to bring life there. And then we go on to verse 8. And it shows us that, that there's life now. It's bringing life where there has been not just barrenness, but bitterness. Follow with this in verse 8. Again, it says these words descriptively. When it empties into the sea, into the, into the dead sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Now, you go to the dead sea today, there's not one bit of life. It is dead. Totally dead. The river from the Jordan River flows from the Sea of Galilee down into the Dead Sea, and it's bringing, they say there are billions and billions of dollars in minerals that empty into the Dead Sea, but there is nothing that flows out. There's a message in itself. If you take in and take in and take in and never flow and never release it to anybody else, it's it's, it's not going to produce any life in you. But God says, I'm going to take that dead sea and I'm going to transform it. It says swarms of living creatures will live there. Wherever the river flows, there will be a large number of fish because the water flows there. And they, You've got to understand that to the Jewish mind, this is craziness. This is all they've known for centuries is that there is absolutely nothing that lives in the dead sea. But God says there's coming a change. There's coming a shift here. And he says, now there's going to, literally says, there are going to be fishermen that line the shore, and they're going to be taking in nets of fish. Everything is going to be changing instead of the bitterness. And, 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 and just to paint the picture, this past week, I went with my family. We're just taking a few days. I love to go to the shore and uh, love to swim out into the deep, out into the Atlantic. How many have ever gotten a, a good mouthful of salt water? Uh, boy, that'll, that'll leave an impression on you. Do you know that the Atlantic Ocean has 6% salinity. In other words, the salt content, 6%. The Dead Sea has 32%. Man, you taste that, it, it, it'll, it'll hurt you. Man, it'll burn all the way down. But there's bitterness there now. But God says everything's shifting. Every bit of life, the Jordan empties now ends in death, in bitter waters. But Ezekiel sees the day when the river of God will turn the tide. 
There's a new day, Ezekiel says, where that, 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 that the great sea will, will teem with fish and fishermen lining. A day when the river of God literally, Ezekiel says, makes the salt water fresh. How many know that God can take bitter situations and turn them around? Now, I've been getting a little bit um, misty-eyed in the last couple of weeks. I'm packing up my office here and, and just thinking about, you know, I'm getting older now. What can I say? And I'm thinking about those early days in ministry. And as I'm going through files, I came across a letter. I literally, I, I brought it in church last week and, and spoke about this because it, it just struck me so. A lot of years ago, literally, now it'll be over 30 years ago, I, would, I was working with the Teen Challenge Ministry, and I was a teacher and an evangelist, and, and I led a, some guys who would sing and share their testimonies, and I remember we were down in Tennessee. Now, literally, I was 22, I believe, at the time, so it's a lot of years ago. And I'm opening this letter that is from a young lady. I had not seen this letter, think back now, it was 35 years since I had seen this letter, and here it was in my file, and brought it all back. It was a letter from a young lady who was 12 years old at the time. And she's writing about how God had changed her life, and now she's in a new situation, and, 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 and Tom, everything's going to be fine. God's with me. Everything's going to be okay. So let me tell her story. We were with the Teen Challenge Ministry in a junior high in Tennessee. This is the foothills of the, of the uh, Smoky Mountains. And um, we're sharing our stories and singing. Some of the guys had instruments. And at the end of this, we're packing everything up. Well, one of the men in the group came to me and said, somebody needs to talk to this young girl over here. And I looked over, and she's sitting all alone in like the bleacher in the gymnasium in this junior high. Everybody else had gone. The guys are packing up the, 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 the van and the, and the trailer and so on. And I, I walked over to her, and I said, what's going on? How you doing? And she began to open up her heart as to what was going on in her life. Now, she's 12 years old. She said, um, and of course, with tears, and she broke down, she said, for years, my brothers have been raping me. Incest in her family. This was her life. This was her life. Now, watch what happens in this. We want to be very sensitive in a situation like that, of course, and we prayed with her. I had to call, obviously, call the authorities. I remember being at the hospital that night, and, and her name was Sandy, and I remember that the doctors were working with Sandy, and, and obviously they needed to understand what was going on in her life. And, uh, and it was just, you know, again, having three daughters of my own, and so it was just heart-wrenching. And uh, the next day, I found myself in the police station. And I'm with Scott. He's one of the interns who had been helping me in this situation with this young lady. And I remember sitting in the police station, and we're just quietly, we're waiting to speak to a detective about all of this and, and you know, what she had told us. And we're sitting there in the police station when a lady who's sitting real close to us and can overhear what's going on, she looks at us, and the look on her face and the vehemence in her words, she's going, you are the men who are stealing away my daughter. She thought that we were trying to do something to take away her daughter. She apparently didn't know what was going on in the family. Her husband had been involved in this incest as well as her sons. 
But what I saw happen in that moment, because how many know when the river of God flows, it doesn't matter how awful, how painful, how long and deep the garbage of this world has been flowing. When God's river comes, all the bitterness can change in a moment. All the barrenness can change in a moment. And we began to speak to that lady and share with her that Jesus cares so much about her and cares about her daughter too much to let this continue to go on. Do you know within about 10 minutes, we're literally in the police station praying with her to give her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Within, a, within an hour, we got a Bible from a Bible bookstore and this woman woman is now living for the Lord Jesus. And Sandy, when I opened this letter 36 years, 35 years later, Sandy is telling me about how God has changed her life. God's in the business of changing bitter situations. Right down the road from there, in that same trip, we went to Cosby High School. And there in Cosby High School, and I, I, I just share this for, for, so that we can understand in perspective that there is absolutely nothing that God cannot heal. So after I meet Sandy in this situation, we go to a high school, and now again, and they told us, you got to be careful, can't talk about Jesus, this is a public school. We slipped, okay, folks? We slipped, and we did speak about Jesus. Um, come on. We got an auditorium filled with high school students, and uh, the guy said, look, you know, this is how it is. If you don't give your heart to the Lord Jesus, you're going to stay in the same situation where you are. Only He set me free, and they're talking about only God set me free from drugs and alcohol. All, all kinds of backgrounds that these guys had. At the end of that time, again, we're packing up everything. Some of the guys are talking to, to young people. The young people came forward. They're giving their hearts to the Lord. It was an incredible scene. I remember when one of our interns, again, it was, his name was Scott. He was like a, a, an assistant at that time, having already gone through the program. And Scott came to me and said, uh, Brother Tom, there's a, there's a girl over here. Somebody's got to talk with her. And he pointed her out. Now, outwardly, to look at her, you would say, this girl's she's got it going. I mean, she's surrounded by her friends. She's in a cheerleader outfit, so she's popular, okay? And she's got other cheerleaders around her. She's obviously a, a pretty girl. I mean, you would think, and, and she, surrounded by friends, you would think she's got it all together. And Scott said, she just told me that she's going to take her life She's going to kill herself when she goes home today. This is what she said. Now, again, we can't just bypass that. So Scott, I said, Scott, listen, we have ministry across the street. There was a children's shelter we were going to. You stay here, and you can speak with her for a little bit, and then we'll, we'll be right back. You know right where we are. Walk across the street and meet us there. Scott spoke with her, and this was her barren, bitter situation. This is what the world has done. Do we understand, and, and, and I probably don't need to tell you that this is a very bitter world right now. Do you understand that there's abuse that's going on in more than 50% of homes right now in America? This is not just a rare story anymore. So Scott is speaking with this girl. Her name happened to be Donna. And Donna said, okay, so here, here, here's my story. Um, when I was a little girl, my grandfather, uh, he raped me. And uh, this went on. And so, because of all the pain of that, I started using drugs. 
And she said, uh, to support my drugs, well, bottom line is, this is how she put it, and, and I'm being just very plain this morning, okay? She said, I'm the high school prostitute, and my uncle is the principal of the school. And she said, I'm dying inside, and I will kill myself today when I go home. I've had enough. You know, Scott began to reason with her and speak with her about the love of God. And she's like, she, she, she could not understand love that doesn't take, that doesn't demand. But, and the period of time had to be like 45 minutes to an hour. But finally, she opened up her heart and she said, if God can love me like that, if he can cleanse my life, if he can change my life, then yes, I will open my heart. This is what Scott said when he came back across the street. He said, it was incredible. This young girl, Donna, okay, now she's raised in a Baptist church. That, that's where she was raised, okay? All of a sudden, she starts dancing in the spirit of God. This is what Scott described. She was so free. She literally, in this auditorium, starts in the aisle dancing before God. I'm free. She's totally set free. A year later, we came back to the high school. I'm wondering how Donna is doing. And I look out at the end of our time, that, that auditorium, again, we slipped and told people about Jesus, and I'm looking out, and here is Donna, all the way in the back, with her friends, and she's waving at me, Tom, Tom, I'm over here, and when I got close, she said, I'm living for Jesus, Jesus is alive in me, I'm telling you this morning, there are Donnas, and there are Sandys, and there are all kinds of situations, and God says, I will turn those bitter situations around, because the river of God's presence is alive, bitterness, and barrenness, it has all got to go when we choose to go deep. Somebody say, go deep. A little taste of religion isn't going to do it. Another drink from the stagnant pools of this world isn't going to cut it when you're hurting and you're barren. But to those who are willing to go deep, like Ezekiel said, everything will live. There's a third truth in this last moment. The river of God's presence is not only deep, and it is not only alive, but it is pure. It's pure. In verse 1, we read, The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. It is flowing from the temple. And in verse 12, it says this, Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on the banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them, and their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. I've traveled, the Lord has, has allowed me to travel quite a bit through the years and uh, five different continents, a lot of different countries, and I have experienced, I've seen with my eyes, I literally, um, where it would burn your throat, I have seen some of the most toxic poison waters in all of the world. I've stood, and I can picture it while I say this, I've stood on riverbanks where the water is moving so slowly and it's carrying sewage and carnage, debris. I've smelled poison and death that literally would burn your throat. I think of one situation, and it just comes to life. I've seen stagnant channels, I mean, clogged for years and years of garbage in one, one particular city, and it was crawling with rats and wild dogs. But this was the, the river for the city. I have walked a shoreline, literally, that, was, that, that covered corpses. They bulldozed the, the sand over the corpses of the tsunami 
victims, and that was in India, and then later on in Sri Lanka. I've seen and experienced some of the most toxic, filthy, polluted waters in the planet. But there's a cleansing tide that is so different. I think sometimes of the waters of this world, and it is so poison, and it is so toxic. Christian, we have no business drinking those toxic waters of this world. Not when there is a cleansing tide that is rising. There is a holy invasion. It is flowing from the presence of Almighty God. There is a pure, life-giving river that is flowing down from the temple of God. Ezekiel says, I saw it coming from the temple. Verse 12, because the water from the sanctuary is flowing. It's coming from the presence of God. It is holy. It is pure. John saw the same thing in the book of Revelation. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. There is pure river flowing from God, a cleansing water that's flowing right now, and it can bring healing to you. It can bring refreshing to you, and I want you to listen this last time to the call of Jesus as he's calling out to this generation, to a barren and dry and sometimes bitter generation. Maybe you today, and he's pleading with us when he says if anyone is thirsty let him come to me let him come to me and drink again Jesus said in the book of Revelation come whoever is thirsty let him come and whoever wishes let him take the free gift of the water of life if you're through with shallow living you need to go deep If you are tired of the toxic waters of this world, you need to go deep. If you are thirsty for more this morning, we need to go deep. Would you stand with me, please? And would you begin, if this is in your heart, would you respond to the cry of God to you? He's crying out to your heart. He's crying out to this generation. He's crying out to every single one of us. The river's flowing now. Would you say, Father, wash over me. God, I want to jump in. I want to plunge. God, I want everything you have for me in Jesus' name. Come on, let's begin to call out to him. Father, I need you. Father, I need more of you. Father, wash over me and cleanse me, Father, and refresh me this morning. Father, come and do your work in me. Come on, begin to talk to the Lord. Invite him to come to you. Invite him to wash over you this morning. Maybe you know of somebody, maybe a family member, a spouse, a child, a parent, and they're in barrenness right now, and they're in bitterness, and begin to cry out to God for them, that they too would go deep in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.